Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, the fortnightly podcast where we're taking a look at the Oscars from years past. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is my long-winded friend, Palmer. I almost called you Frank. My apologies. How are you, Palmer? Good. Good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm I'm looking around our studio. Mm -hmm. I don't think we have enough stairs. No, I don't think we have stairs at all in here. (laughs) So then we need more. We need more stairs? Yep. I feel it's like a, that's it's a, a callback to a movie that we had to watch, Tim. Oh, great, Ziegfeld. Yeah, yeah. great. Okay. I was. Look, also, there's a lot of movies on this list. I was looking and I was like, I don't know what you are referring to. Which also had my favorite line, which is, you're a real human. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I think I actually wrote down a line from another movie in here that I really liked, but I can't remember. But anyway, we're here to talk about the last of... This the season. last episode of the season, yeah. nineteen, yay, 1937's Best Picture nominees, they are as follows. San Francisco, Three Smart Girls, Romeo and Juliet, Libeled Lady, Anthony Adverse, A Tale of Two Cities, The Great Ziegfeld, Dodsworth, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, and The Story of Louis Pasteur. Do you know what won Best Picture? It, it, I mean... The Great Ziegfeld. It the, has to be. Yeah, it is indeed. Yeah. Why does it have to be? Because nothing screams like over... Ostentatious Best Picture. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, oh my God, I yeah. know, right? It was great. Or was it? We'll yeah. find out. So we're going to talk about the... We're going to talk about these 10 films. Yes. And then we're going to take a little bit of a Trip sabbatical. Memory lane. We're going to take a sabbatical. Oh, okay. After the recording of this episode, you're right. But before we do that, we're going to take a trip down memory lane. And after we award the 37 awards, we'll award the awards for all of the sevens. Right. And see how that goes. (laughs) See who... Three days later. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like watching the Ten Commandments twice. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Let's start with San Francisco. Okay. All right. Directed by W.S. Van Dyke. Written by Anita Luz, based on the story by Robert Hopkins. Starring Clark Gable, Jeanette McDonald, Spencer Tracy, and Jack Holt. This is well, this tells the story of a woman named Mary uh, who is being torn between uh, being a person and being an <laughs> opera singer. Being a person? Being a person. Okay. Being a regular person and being a superstardom opera singer. And Clark Cable plays this man named Blackie who's all like, no, I can make you popular. Come here. Sell your soul to me because I'm a devil figure because I'm supposed to. Yeah. You didn't get that? No, not even the slightest. It's the, it's the Faust story. Really? Yeah. You didn't get that where they were singing Faust the whole time? They were singing San Francisco. They were singing Faust. All the opera scenes that she was in was from the opera Faust. That's because that was the only opera around at that time. That's not true. We don't know that. I think we do know that. There's unfortunately no way of finding out. Yeah, there's no... (laughs) As you hold a cell phone in your hand, looking things up. Well, you're you're in the middle of nowhere. I I don't have any bars. (laughs) No. I told you I'd give you my Wi-Fi password. Ah. I don't know what you're complaining about. (laughs) You've been coming here for years. Yeah. Anyway, no, I didn't get the Faust analogy. Yes. It was, so the so the, the 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 story is supposed to basically be Faust, where she does does she sell her soul 
you know, the way that Father Spencer Tracy, as he loves to play priests, um, <laughs> as kind of puts it, does he, you know, does she sell her soul to be this this grand singer? But the story's got a twist where it's actually not her because it leads you to this place that you think that Clark Gable's like the devil figure, right? His mm-hmm. name's Blackie, and he's like, ah, I've got all my tricky ways, blah, blah, blah. Clark Gable things. And then it's the mustache. And at the end, it does, it doesn't I mean the film tells you that it's leading up to the great San Francisco earthquake. Right. Which was a great sequence. Mm. And then and then she's out by a camp and he's like, Oh my the homes are destroyed and then this and then that. And then he's like, I don't love God. God's stupid. You all are stupid for believing in God and all this stuff. And the end, he's like, wow, I actually maybe has see some hope. And then he starts praying and blah, blah, blah. So it's actually him that has sold his soul and has like come back for redemption. It does a little twist on that story. I think you looked entirely too deep into this. Movie. I honestly watched this movie with like a side eye and I still <laughs> got it. So um, I just, yeah, I, I picked up on it pretty quickly. The I'll get, the only reason I know that that opera is Faust is because there was a TV movie, either eighties or nineties, uh, Charles dance starring in Phantom of the Opera. Okay. Yeah. But it wasn't the musical. It was, it was there based on the original book. Right. And so they, so instead they used, pieces of real opera but they'd always used faust because it's that same kind of story yeah it's the one with uh robert england yeah that no 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 that's another one that's the horror movie one no this is this is charles dance being really suave and fun and then they sing this actually the same piece um in in this in this one where it's the devil the guy and um, three men and a baby Yes, exactly. It's yeah. the the girl Faust and and the devil, and they're all going back and forth. It's really good. Yeah, I don't know. I I still don't. I mean, I understand. Like, yes, I I got the Faust reference in the in the opera, but I felt it was the other way. She was turning her back on the person she loved to become an opera singer. Right. Exactly. She's quote unquote selling her soul. To become an opera singer. Oh, but you made it sound like um, Blackie was the devil. He's supposed to, because he's the one that makes her, because even though, because he's the one that makes her popular. Remember, that's why Father keeps Father Spencer Tracy keeps asking, like, are you happy? And she's always hesitant. She's like, yes, I'm happy. Like, no, you're not. Yeah. You're not happy. Like, why can't you see that? And so, yeah, that was the that was the my takeaway from this movie. Good job. Thanks. Thanks. No, it was a good movie. I want to open my can of seltzer now, like a you professional. <laughs> yeah, just like it's Beer with Geeks. Check out Beer with Geeks at ThoughtBubbleAudio.com. www.ThoughtBubbleAudio.com. T-H-O-U. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, no, it was... I, I like this movie, and it... Uh, uh, you know, the, the the earthquake sequence was really good, and I really I, I like Clark Gable, mm. but let's let's not be let's not kid ourselves. He just plays the same character. He plays Clark Gable yeah. every time, every time, every time. Yeah, but I mean, he wasn't nominated in here, so I didn't do the nominations. It was nominated for Best Picture, obviously. Yeah. Uh, 
Best Actor for Spencer Tracy, Director, Assistant Director, which is a new category we have not come across yet. <laughs> the Assistant Directors. I bet you how, how angry were Assistant Directors when, when they, they got took that category yeah. away. And then Original Story. And it won for Sound Recording. Now, you said Best Actor, Spencer Tracy? Spencer, not supporting. Yeah, not Supporting Actor, Best That's Actor. Weird. But he's he's, a he's supporting, definitely a supporting he's actor. He's a supporting player. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. There you go. Also, not his best. Not the, I. I love Spencer Tracy. Not his best performance. No, I think uh, one of the other movies he he's better in the uh, other libeled lady. Yeah, I think he's better yeah. in libeled lady too. I agree. Um, I, I mean the the special effects were really good. For yeah, the that time earthquake that this movie was came really out. Good. Yeah, yeah. With the especially with like buildings toppling over and people oh, like the falling and yeah. stuff. That was great. All that stuff was really, really well done. I wrote in my notes, this was like the Titanic of its day. That's what it felt like to me. Because it's like everybody, it tells you at the beginning of the film that yeah. the earthquake's coming on this day. And then it gives you the day that we the, that we start the film. And so you have a couple of months leading up to the earthquake. Right. And then, so like we all know it's coming. Just like we all know the boat's going to hit an iceberg. And then oh, I haven't it, seen it yet. That's not. I have. I literally have recordings of us talking about it. <laughs> I I just pulled stuff off of Wikipedia. Yeah, I'm sure you did. So that's that was kind of my takeaway. This is also one of three movies nominated this year that used Odd Lang Sign. Did you get that? Yes, uh, the chart topping song of the 1930s. It, it was Auld in Lang every Sign. movie, and I think I weirdly watched most of them back to back. So I was like. Why do I keep hearing this song? Well, it was funny because um, the first movie that I watched on this cycle that had it in it was Mr. Deeds Goes to Town. Sure. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, does does uh, Frank Capra own a piece of the royalties for Old Lang Syne? He must because he used it in It's a Wonderful Life, too. Yeah. yeah it's crazy. Anyway, we have a lot of movies to talk about, so I'm going to move on. No, we're going to have fun facts. All right. We're going to have fun facts. I'm not going to move on. Go ahead. Fun fact. William Randolph Hearst campaigned heavily for Marion Davis to star as... Oh, no, that's another one. Yep. Good um, job. Is Jeanette McDonald in this movie? Yes. Okay. Jeanette McDonald <laughs> brought the screenplay by Anita Loss to the attention of MGM head Irving Tharber- Thalberg with the express idea that she should headline alongside Clark Gable. Hmm. Thalberg really... Readily agreed, although Gable did not get along with McDonald during filming. He objected to her singing at him and would eat garlic before their kissing scenes just to annoy her. Wow. Yes. Also, this is one of the several movies that proved in the 1930s everyone was an opera singer. Oh, yeah. Well, let's move on to the next movie that proves that. Three Wait, Smart Girls. <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought you were done. Clark Gable did not want to make the film, but was at the mercy of MGM studio head Louis B. Mayer, who had just paid off one of Gabriel's numerous paramours. Wow. Yeah. One of Mary's opera gowns was later used for Glinda in The Wizard of Oz. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Spencer Tracy initially had qualms about appearing in the film because he was unsure about playing a priest. A devout Catholic, Tracy felt like Tracy felt that he might be betraying his faith by trying to impersonate a priest for the movies. Ironically, two years later, Tracy would win an Oscar for playing a priest in Boys Town. Yes, he would. He was quite good in it, too. And we kind of, um, we had talked about this a little bit 
uh, just texting back and forth. As a response by Fox to this to the success of this film, the following year in Old Chicago is quite reminiscent of this film. Indeed, it's made in the same vein where much of the awaited Chicago fire also doesn't happen until the last few minutes, just like the San Francisco earthquake. Both movies also deal with romance, betrayal, and a cabaret singer female lead. Apart from the cabaret singer, it's also Titanic. Yeah. Romance, betrayal. Well, I mean, there was some deleted scenes where Kate Winslet was a cabaret singer. There's a dancing scene instead. There really is? There's a dancing scene. Yeah. And they sing uh, the Navy hymn. The Navy? In church. Um, Nearer my God to thee. See? Exactly. Mm -hmm. No. Um, Yeah. That's the one that they sing at the end. peril on the sea. That one. That's not Nearer my God to thee. I know. That's why I said no and you said yes. Right, but in this movie they sing "Near My God." Oh, in this movie, which is also in Titanic, oh, oh, because I that's see. what the, they, the that's band what the played, band the orchestra plays. played, yeah, right. the quartet. Yeah, I understand now. I thought you were talking about at the end of Titanic when the boat was sinking. They sing this song. I'm like, no, they don't. Krypton, boom, got, got it. it. Three smart um, girls. Are you done yet? I might be. Who did you say wrote this movie? Anita Luce. Okay, that's another movie then. Go. Okay, great. Three Smart Girls, directed by Henry Coster, written by Adele Commandy. That's two female writers back-to-back nominated or not nominated, but at least have Oscar-nominated films. Don't get used to it. I know. But this is like unprecedented. Remember when the Oscars were progressive back in the 1930s? I, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's going to end pretty soon. Yeah. Anyway. This is going to be a long drought, unfortunately. Starring Dina Durbin. Uh, Barbara Reed, Nan Gray, and Charles Winnegar, nominated for Best Picture, Original Story, and Sound Recording. It won nothing. Yeah. This is a story of three sisters who this is find the story out of the that parent trap. It was the parent trap. It was. That's exactly what I thought the whole time while Only I was watching twins. it. Let me tell people what the story is about first, because I guarantee you, most people have not seen it. Okay, they it's haven't a- seen the parent trap. It's actually Deanna Durbin's starring debut, fun fact. Um, or was that your fun fact? No, that wasn't my fun fact. Okay. Well, what are you doing over there? Well, I mean, to be fair, like, yeah, it's her it's her starring thing, but, I mean, how many people know who she is? That's a good point. Like, if this was, like, I don't, if I don't recognize the name right off the top of my head, I'm just like, all right, we'll, we'll continue. Okay, great. Anyway, All right, so what's this movie about? It's about three sisters who f- are living with their mom, who is divorced from, divorced from their father. And they find out the father is going to remarry some socialite blonde lady. And they're like, we got to do something about it. And then they have hijinks. They do. And that's the movie. Like, this is... Th- this year, It's the I will parent say, trap without the twin thing. It really is. It, they're just sisters. Like, they all already know about each other. Right. But that's the only difference. <laughs> There's no, they don't go camping. There's no fun no, camping, no camping scene. No, uh, but I mean, this was cute. It was, it was cute. It's, it's a classic, like Hollywood, not not screwball comedy, and I wouldn't say slapstick, but it is a nice light comedy. I think this is a, a film that people could point to when they think like, oh, films in the 30s, they didn't tackle anything big or hard or challenging, and they think of movies like this. Right. And I'm even like, though this, were, even though there this, are a lot of movies yeah, that deal with Yeah, this seems to be like the outlier. And, yeah, right. But but this is what people think of. It's like Shirley Temple, but yeah. with, without the dancing. 
without yeah. the tap dancing. Yeah, there's no, there's no dancing. No dancing. But there's a lot of singing. There is, because she's an opera singer. She's good. I think they're she's good. I think they're just classically trained. They're like act. They're just trained singers. I will say um, one of the things, and this is not necessarily a, a knock against the movie. It's a knock against the, the period and time frame. Is th- the sound recording for the singing comes very tinny? Yes, it's just the sound equipment. Yeah. But what are you going to do? Yeah, no, I'm I'm saying it's just like I've noticed that in these movies. It's like whenever they're singing, there's a distinct style and a sound to it. And sometimes it's just a little off. I agree. I think it's like listening to radio for radio from the 30s or old recordings like that's that same. It just doesn't quite get it across. But do you have fun facts on this movie? Because I don't really have anything else to add besides it was cute. It was. It was very it was cute. Light. I mean, it's only an hour and twenty eight minutes. Yep. Um, but definitely watch it. So this film was the inspiration for Disney's The Parent Trap. <gasps> I, I know. Knew it. Yep. This was made at. This was made at one of the many times when Universal Pictures was on the brink of bankruptcy. It was Universal's big Christmas release for nineteen thirty six. It became a critical success and a box office sensation, and it led to a string of highly popular. Deanna Durbin pictures that helped keep Universal in the black through the war years. Wow. Wow. Good for her. Yeah. No pressure, Deanna. Nope. No pressure whatsoever. And that's all I got. All right. Cool. Because much like it, it, it's a it's a cute movie. The, the three sisters alone are worth watching this movie for. But like I the think father, so. The father's funny. It's a little predictable. Sure. Because you've seen The Parent Trap. Actually, I've never seen The Parent Trap. I'm sorry, what? I have never seen either of The Parent Traps. I'm sorry, what? Nope. Were they nominated for Best Picture? They will be now. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, give, I, can't you, retroactively, I give you the list. You if, don't control this. <laughs> if I can't retroactively add The Crucible. No, see, I just hand you the list of movies that these are the ones that <laughs> and you I just have to watch. They're right. you assume they're right. One of these days I'm going to show up to an uh, to a episode and you're just going to list off movies and be like, that wasn't on the list you gave me at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that. That would be so bad. It was such a waste of time for you. Anyway, are we ready to move on? Yeah, we're moving. All right. Romeo and Juliet, directed by George Cukor, written by Shakespeare. Di- added- wow, I can't talk. Adapted for the screen by Talbot Jennings. Starring Norma Shear, Leslie Howard, John Barrymore, and Basil Rathbone. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actress, Supporting Actor for Basil Rathbone, and Art Direction. Uh, I mean, it's Romeo and Juliet. We've already talked about Romeo and Juliet on no, the no, show no. before. No, no, no. You have to say what it's about. It's about two idiot teenagers who think they fall in love, and so they get married real fast so they can have sex, and then they both die at the end. All right. Now that you've done the unserious version, I will give you what it's really about. Two households, <laughs> both alike in dignity, uh, in fair Verona, where uh, we lay our scene. I'm going to go take a nap. I'll come <laughs> back when you're done. I used to be able to do the entire program. Really? Yeah. Did you have to do it for school? Or did no, you just I just it? really like Romeo and Juliet. Oh, there you go. That's fun. Now I get muddled like right after, um, right after that part. 
Yeah. Where you, it's like from for the fatal loins and these two. Blah, blah, from blah, the blah, fatal blah. loins, yeah. brevity is the soul of wit. Right. You're like, wait, like no. once I get past what there's like two lines that I can't get and then I'm good the rest of the way. Here. <laughs> That's all right. Which they cut out in this movie and that greatly upset me. I, I even texted you like if they keep cutting out the lines that I like. I'm going to be very pissed off about this movie. Mm-hmm. There was that one, and there was another line when you're giving us what you're talking about, uh, what you like and dislike about this version. I'm going to see if I can remember. But uh, it, it was a Romeo thing, I think. Go ahead, go ahead. I thought the movie looked very good. I thought the sets were great. It was a very pretty film. Ultimately, I've seen a lot of versions of Romeo and Juliet, even a lot on film this might be my least favorite one it didn't really the cast seemed very old for their parts i'm like looking at romeo and juliet i'm like how old are you 25 26 get your act together what are you doing you 35 year old lover like like oh juliet is the day like don't you have a job like do you have a thing it's different when they're younger you like you buy into their purity mm-hmm. when they're that, but if the if the actors playing them are too old, I'm like get get yourself together. Yeah. What are you What are you doing? So uh, I didn't care for that. I thought Basil Rathbone was good. I, I I recognize why he was supported, but I don't think it it wasn't Lawrence Olivier's Hamlet like that level of like all right, let's get the show on the road here. You know, we've got stuff to do. But it wasn't – it didn't have an, an the energy that I kind of wanted from – Shakespeare requires I a lot of energy. Yeah. And there should be in some ways some kind of a, a rapid pace to it. You got a lot to get through. And so well, people like generally speak that, very quickly. Anamic. Iamic pentameter. Yeah. So – Those two made-up words. I mean aren't all words made up? <laughs> yes. So – so ultimately, I, it was fine. There's yeah. nothing. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with the movie. the The masquerade scene, especially, was very pretty. Right. It was very well done. It was all just fine. It was just. A, it was a movie that was Romeo and Juliet. So out of the two that we've seen, except the sword fighting scene at the end, which seemed slightly unnecessary, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of so, liked it though. But I mean the la- the la- but that's what happens. I know it. It just always feels unnecessary. It really me. does, and I think it's because like the first Romeo and Juliet that I saw was the Leonardo DiCaprio one, yep. which doesn't have that. Right, it's unnecessary. And I saw that before I read the play. Oh, sure. So like you're right. It it seems you're unnecessary. Like, what the hell is a sword fighting scene? <laughs> Why don't they have guns? Yeah. I, so but... out of the two that we've seen, you like the the. Olivia Hussey one more. I like the yeah the um, Zeffirelli film yeah. better. Yeah, um, and the scene, the other quote that they took out of this that I really disliked was Juliet's. I look to like if looking liking move, but no further will I dart my eye than your than your consecutive strength to make it fly. Mm, that's I was, good. I was upset. Do you just like because it's looky likey move? <laughs> <laughs> I look to like if looking liking moves. Um, so. Meaning he doesn't like looking at statues. He likes looking at women who move. Juliet says it. I'm talking about Romeo, though. Right, but Romeo doesn't say that. I know. Juliet so, says it to her mother. I was just, it was a test. I wanted to see if you knew where the Do line came from. Do not test me on Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> this or the Crucible. I'm an English teacher. It's literally my job to <laughs> test you on Romeo and Juliet. 
I don't know. I don't think I've once called you an English teacher. No, never. I've taught every subject imaginable <laughs> in your eyes except the subject I actually teach. Yep. Uh, so those two instances aside where they, for some reason, take out Shakespeare quotes. Mm-hmm. The, I, I told you, like, Leslie Howard to me just was very, very bland. She was nominated. He. Oh, I thought sorry. I Leslie thought you said Howard. Nor- Norma Shear. Sorry. Nope. No, he was very bland. She was good. I liked her. Do I like her as much as Lilia Hussey? No. No. Um. I did like. I did like the, the maid's servant. Yep. Um. He was really good. Uh. Who was Friar Tuck? Mm-hmm. From because Robin I will, Hood. Yep, I will forever call out his roles. Friar Tuck. That's Friar Tuck, everyone. Just so you know, he was in Robin Hood. Friar Tuck, everyone. He just everyone. has such a voice that whenever I hear him, I'm like, it's Friar Tuck. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I, 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 did like, I did like Barrymore as Mercutio. Okay. And it was a different version of Mercutio than... We've then I've seen portrayed before. Mm-hmm. We had the we have the one from Boz Lerman that's kind of very manic and drugged John, out. Does John Leguizamo play Mercutio. No, he plays Tibble. Tibble. Okay. Um, in the Boz Lerman one, he's very manic and kind of high the entire mm-hmm. time. In the Olivia Hussey one, he is still kind of like strange. Yeah, he's because strange. I mean the, I like the Queen version. Mab speech, which I really love, yep, is is such a is such a really it's such a great monologue mm-hmm. because he you know he they say it in the they say it in the show he's talking about nothing mm-hmm. like he just goes on a very long winded thing because he's trying to point out to Romeo like how how little sense he's making. Mm-hmm. And by and doing that by telling this entire story of a dream that he had, um, and the way Barrymore approaches it, he he kind of flows in and out of being very ambivalent to Romeo's plight or mm-hmm. perceived plight, and just kind of like mocking him at the same time. Mm-hmm. Which which I found a good, which I found a nice take on the character. I don't know if that's what the classical take is. I'm assuming it probably is. I think so. But I like that kind of take. Um, Tybalt, Basil Rathbone, really good. But yeah, Leslie Howard for me just doesn't doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And some of the other some of the other scenes are kind of. Wishy-washy. Yeah, especially like, especially when Mercutio's dying and his A Plague on Both Your Houses. It was such a throwaway line. He was like, also a plague or something. Yeah, he's like, yeah. Uh, a plague on both your houses. Like, yeah. when I was taught Romeo and Juliet, my English teacher had played Mercutio. So when we were reading it, he would always do the Mercutio parts. Okay. And he would never use the book to sh- show off that he... Was new stuff. Yep. Um, but you know it, it. It goes into the thing of like Mercutio, even like in this version, even as he's dying, isn't taking it seriously. 
where at least in the normal senses, that's like when he starts taking Mm -hmm. stuff seriously. And this one, he just kind of kept going in that ambivalent direction. Right. Um, so Barrymore's performance is is good and it's pretty good in this and it's a for me it's a different take on Mercutio that I hadn't seen before which I really liked and the rest of the movie is just kind of there. Okay, that's that's more thought than I gave to this film. But well, good for you. You gave an entire soliloquy about Faust at San Francisco. I had to make up for it. Oh, I see. Good point. Okay, so continue. All right. <laughs> okay, do you have fun facts about this? I do. Written by William Shakespeare, a fun fact. It really is. I know. Everyone knows. Any show, besides Hamlet, I think Romeo and Juliet is the show that everyone knows was written by William Shakespeare. This film contains the only on-screen sword fight that expert swordsman Basil Rathbone won in his entire film career. What? That's crazy. Yeah, because he always played... Um, Villains. Well, I was going to say, he always played, like, Count Richelieu. Oh, yeah. Um, William Randolph Hearst, remember that guy from the first movie? Yep. <laughs> campaigned heavily for Marion Davis to star as Juliet. However, MGM thought Davis would be miscast and should stick to comedies. Hmm. One minor complaint about this film version, according to many fans of the play would be that Leslie Howard and Norma Shear were physically too old to portray teenage lovers. Uh-huh. That's what I'm saying. At the time of this film's release, Shear was 34 years old. Oh, my God. They're even older than I thought. Take a guess on how old Leslie Howard is. 42. 43 years oh old. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's atrocious. Yeah. No wonder I didn't. I just didn't. Whoa, they were way too old. And I'm going to have to like actually. 30 years too old. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to have to start like headlining these fun facts. So this is either a fun fact for this movie or it's a fun fact for Mr. Deeds. But one of those movies, according to the motion picture Herald News item, the film was banned in Germany on the ground that non-Aryan actors had participated in the production. I'm pretty sure it's this movie. I think it's this movie. Yeah. But I, I'm, not, I'm honestly not positive. Well, how about that? We'll move on. Libel Lady, directed by Jack Conway, written by Maureen Dallas Watkins, Howard Edit Rogers, George Oppenheimer, and Wallace Sullivan. The See, guy who third, made the atomic bomb? Third, yep. Third female writer nominated for... What happened to Academy? I don't know. They were like, we nominated all the women in the 1930s. We don't have to it's for a while. It's not like the men were at war yet or something. Like, they were just hiring women, and they were doing a good job. Were what they? happened, Hollywood? No, it's 1930. There was World War One, Tim. That was bef- way before. I don't know. It's all a blur. It's... <laughs> Yeah, it's hard being immortal sometimes, isn't it? It really is. Me me and Tom Cruise from, from Interview with a Vampire, the only ones who know this play. Exactly. Starring Gene Harlow, William Powell, uh, Myrna Loy, and Spencer Tracy. This movie was nominated for Best Picture and nothing else, and it won nothing. <laughs> Libel Lady is kind of a hijinks comedy. A newspaper prints some false information, some libel, and so they kind of, so some of them kind of set out to make it true, so they don't have to retract. 
Yeah, I felt that was I felt that was weird. Yeah, that was basically that was basically the movie. I didn't I think this movie started well. I think it was like it was real fun at the beginning and there was like a great energy and when Spencer Tracy's like, Oh, I'm getting married today, I can't go to the office, but boss, we need you. Okay, I'll go. Like <laughs> He wanted to get out of that wedding so So bad, bad. he did not want to get married. It was hilarious. And then his wife, and then the wife comes, and he's like, "But the newspaper." And she was like, "I'm gonna be your wife." And he's like, "Can't talk now, newspaper." Um, and and then it kind of just a little bit kind of after that, it just wasn't anything fun or worth watching. Um, yeah, I mean, no, I I like this movie. Like, I really like Spencer Tracy in this movie. Um, I like Spencer Tracy in every movie, though. That's like saying, like, I like Tom Hanks in this movie. Of course you do. It's Tom Hanks. I guess. Lady Killers is the exception. I did, but I really love, like, the Spencer Tracy line of, she may be married to him, but she's engaged to me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, some of it's it's fun and clever, I guess. But Again, this is a nice comedy. Yeah. A nice light comedy. Again, it is very predictable. Like, like you can see where it's going, when it's going there. Most comedies, you can kind of feel where it's going and when it, it's coming, yeah. though. So that's not a huge... I wouldn't call that a down vote on the film, because most comedies, you can tell... Like, I think, like, outside of the realm of Oscar films, Wedding Crashes is a hilarious movie. You know exactly how it's going to end. Really, you went with Wedding Crashers? I don't know why that was the one I went with, but maybe because it's obviously it's it's a predictable film, but I still think it's funny. Yeah. You know. I mean, it, it's good and there's not a lot to it. No. No, there's not a lot to it, but it's fine. I'm I don't really have anything else to say on this movie besides what I just said. So unless you have some fun facts, I'm going to move uh, on. Along with the Grand Hotel in 1932, this is one of the few pictures to receive an Academy Award nomination for Best Picture without receiving any other nominations. Well, there you go. So why even nominate it? If it doesn't have any other things nominated, what is it really then? Well, we don't know what the we don't know what the full um categories are for the year what do you mean like we don't know what categories were around at that time we know there was best picture oh sure i mean apparently there was also assistant director yeah right you know but this was a nice light comedy it was written fine it was Mm -hmm. written fine it was acted well well i'm saying that like usually a best picture is also at least almost the best at something else too Otherwise, it's not the best picture. It's just a movie, right? But sometimes, like this is a this is an instance where if you look at it, and, like I couldn't pick out one thing that stands above everything else in this film. But all together, it works really well. Sure. So okay. it's more of like an ensemble thing. Okay. Sure. I'll give you that. I still don't think I don't love that. But okay. okay. What's do you have fun facts? I I just said it. That's your one fun fact. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the movie, there's nothing to this movie. Like, nothing. It's a good movie. Watch it. For Spencer it's, Tracy, it's fun. if you want. Yeah. I mean, even without like even without him, the other the other guy it's is fine. pretty good. Isn't it William Powell? Yeah. Yeah. I like William Powell. Yeah, he's Except fine. when we get to the great Ziegfeld. But I like William Powell. He's also sure. in like every other movie this year. What else? No, I think he's really just in those. I'm pretty sure. 
he f- as he flips pages just to check. Blah 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 blah. Nope, he's not. Okay, he's just in these two. We're talking about Anthony Adverse. Okay, directed by Mervyn Leroy and Michael Kuritz, written by Hervey Allen and Sheridan Gibney, starring Friedrich March, Olivia de Havilland, Donald Woods, Anita Louise, Edmund Gwynn, Santa Claus, Claude Rains. It was nominated for. Best Picture, Art Direction, and Assistant Director. Mm -hmm. It won a Supporting Actress for Gail Sondergaard, Cinematography, Editing, and Music. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Gail was the wife? She was the... No, she was the... um, The woman in the village in Africa, I think. Okay. I think. Or no, she was There's only like three women parts. I think she was the the woman after that after Africa. She had her hair back and and she was like, "I told you he'd come." That woman. No. Yeah, exactly. Anthony Adverse is a story of Anthony Adverse, a boy who's raised in an orphanage and goes on to have many adventures in which some people approve of and some people don't. And there's Looking at you, Spencer Tracy. Again, there's he's not in this movie. I'm pretty sure he was the priest. He is not in this movie. Edmund Gwynn. Uh P. N. Gwynn. Uh, so he so there's just many adventures, and he's a good looking, dashing fan, and he's got a lovely a, a lovely woman in one corner and adventures in the left, and he has adventures and he almost dies a couple of times, and it's just a it's just an action movie, right? It's not. I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't call this an action movie. Well, maybe for the thirties. Kind of an action. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of an action movie. There's a lot of sword fights in this movie. There's like one sword fight in the beginning. I think there's two sword fights. Yeah, that seems like a lot. I know, but I'm pretty sure there's two. It's either this or Tale of Two Cities, and I know it's not a Tale of Two Cities. If you say so. It. Yeah. So. Uh, it was good. It was fine. I I kind of enjoyed it. I it was it was a very pretty film. So I completely understand why it won cinematography and editing because it was some of the action was good. The music was good. It swelled in the right places and all of that. It was all it was good. Mm-hmm. It was a good movie. I liked it. All right. So here's you kind of glossed over. The beginnings of this movie. Look, man, I had to watch ten movies. <laughs> so, so the the beginning is. It is a movie. You are correct. Yes, it is a movie. The beginning is this this commoner, for lack of a better term, daughter is married to, um, like a duke. Yep. And she's not in love with him because mm-hmm. it was an arranged marriage. So mm-hmm. naturally, they're never in love, which is. Believable. Mm -hmm. She is having an affair with another guy that she loves. Mm -hmm. Ends up having his child. Mm -hmm. The Duke knows about the affair. Killed the other guy in a sword fight. She dies during childbirth. So he drops the kid off at a convent. Which apparently back then had a baby deposit door. Yes. Yes, it did. (laughs) Absolutely it did. You are 100% correct. <laughs> just like he walks up. have a baby, drop it here. Yeah, drop it here. 
and then ring the bell and go. So the the kid grows up in the convent. It's an all it's a it's a it's a convent. It's so an it's all people be, convent. I was gonna say it's an all female convent, but it's a convent. So as he grows up, the nuns finally say he can't stay here anymore. This is a place for women and he's a boy. And the priest is like, But come on, in like three years we're just gonna send him off to become a priest. We need these guys. We yes. need more priests. And she's like, No, go find him a family to take him in or whatever they called it at the time. He he basically would go live with a family to learn a trade. And it turns out the family that the the priest sets him up with is his real mother's father, unbeknownst to everybody, but the but the guy kind of knows it right away. Something Charles Dickens could come up with. <laughs> Maybe he did. Is this written by Charles Dickens? It is not. No, okay. Um so that's kind of the story. Yeah, that's... And, and I liked it. And the only reason I don't rate this as highly as I want to is because there's always a point. There's always a point with movies that you, you dangle on, you dangle on believability, mm-hmm. the suspension of disbelief. And this movie kind of goes over because every time it's a little too convenient every every time. time something good happens it's like 2 seconds later it's like nope you know you can't you can't have that because now this happened right that's like, that's how just, he has more adventures right but it's just too much i think it's too much in the amount of time they're taking to tell the story right right cuz it's supposed to be Years upon years that this is happening. Right. But you don't get that the same way in a film as you would, say, reading a book. Right. But, I mean, you could have cut down, like, instead of having four instances of it, movies in the you 30s, could have two and still movies do Movies in the 30s didn't cut stuff down. They told the whole story. They didn't do parts or sequels back then. Yeah. Either you do the whole thing or you don't or do you it don't at all. don't do the movie at all. Right. But I mean, but that's what I'm saying is like instead of having four instances, you can still have the same story and just cut out like two of the short ones. Gotcha. So like him going off to Havana after getting married, mm-hmm. and of course he because they get married in secret, he can't go tell his wife because he missed the time frame that she was that they were supposed to meet, and now they're lost forever. It, sometimes it just gets a little too much. Okay. Yeah. I don't disagree I don't disagree with you after by the end of it I was like, Okay. I'm done with your adventures yeah. now. I'm also not a fan that he was like, Oh, you know what? I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to Africa and sell slaves because I'm the hero of this picture. Yeah, well the the movie didn't really back him up on that, at <laughs> least. Like it was like, This is a dark time in his life and you're like, Okay, film. That, that was the other thing. Too much reading in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it was title cards all the time. <laughs> like, I felt it was a let silent me, picture. Let me just uh, catch you up on what's been happening yeah. while you like were blinking. While you've been watching this movie. Yeah. Do you have some fun facts? I do. The film required 131 sets, including a 12-acre African compound built on the studio backlot, the largest set which had ever been constructed. It was pretty cool, too. Tony Curtis was a huge fan of the book. He changed his name from Bernard... 
Bernard Schwartz to Tony Curtis in homage to the lead character and was even buried with a copy of the novel. Wow. Jeez. This is considered the worst bits picture nominee with a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yep. Yep. Film debut of Gail Sonograd, who won Best Supporting Actress Academy Award. And fun fact, this was the first Best Supporting Actress award handed out. Really? Yep. Well, look at that. So going backwards now, we won't have Supporting Actresses. Correct. We'll still give those awards for things, but even though they didn't, that's fine. Yeah. Wow, that's very interesting. Wow. I thought so. Wow. You know what we don't do? We don't do a special effects category. We should add that in. Most of these movies don't have special effects. I know. It would be really easy to choose one. Yeah. This year, Romeo and Juliet for the scrolls at the, <laughs> in the titles. Uh, or San Francisco for the earthquake. Oh, I suppose so. Yeah, I suppose that was a special <laughs> effect. I just figured they filmed during an actual earthquake. Do you have more fun facts? I don't think so, no. That's fine. 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's crazy. Which is low. Like this. Wasn't, That's really this was low. A, this I was think a good it was movie. better than thirteen yeah. percent. Like I, I gave it three stars. Like it's better than average. I think I gave it three. Three stars is average. No, out of five, two and a half stars is average. Oh, if you do halves, sure. Yeah. yeah. Look, I go by letterbox. Oh yeah. See, I, I don't do halves. I don't know yeah, why. You do halves. That's you're the worst math teacher in the world. I'm not a math teacher. I'm a geometry. No, wait, no. <laughs> uh, a I'm a of, geologist. I'm a, a tale of two cities. Can we talk about this, please? I'm an architect. Dang it. <laughs> Directed by Jack Conway Robert, and Robert Z. Leonard. <laughs> Robert Z. Leonard. Written by W.P. Lipscomb, S.N. Berman, and and based on the book by Charles Dickens. <laughs> I was just said N.C. Dickens. Like, yeah, obviously. Based on the book by Charles Dickens. Starring Ronald Coleman, Elizabeth Allen, Edna Mae Oliver, Reginald Owen, Basil Rathbone. This film was nominated for Best Picture in Editing, and it won nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Uh, I don't know how many people know the story of Tale of Two Cities, so let me paint you a picture. I did. There are Tale of Two Cities, and it's, I'll... I'll, it's I'll basically lame is. I'll, I'll sing them to you. New York, New York, if you can make it there, you'll make it anywhere. Except you gotta go to Waterloo. Oh, you gotta go do the take it do 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 Waterloo. You don't even know the lyrics to Waterloo. I was gonna which do. Makes I was gonna, very sad. I was gonna do San Francisco, and then I really didn't know the words to San Francisco. You didn't even know the words to Waterloo. I know. I I cut. I Waterloo, I couldn't escape if, you, if, I, wanted if I wanted to. to. Dang it! If I if it was on, I could do it. But I like I need I I'm at the point where that song. I still need to listen to it. I've been defeated. You won the war. Do, do. Waterloo, finally facing my Waterloo. That sounds great. Oh, You're so song. good at your job. Anyway, you don't get to choose the cities here. It's actually Paris and London. So, uh, so. How do I? I'm trying to break this down as easy as possible. French Revolution. There was the best of times. It and was the worst, the worst of, of times. times. This is the most indecisive movie ever. Is it the best or the worst? I don't know. <laughs> Eve of the French Revolution. Yep. Uh, Wait, the actual French Revolution or the June Rebellion? Actual French because Revolution. Apparently, the French revolt a lot. 
uh, yes, it was. It it's the actual, it's the actual French Revolution. Okay. Does that make you feel better? Not really. I like the June Rebellion more. Well, I can't help you. I can't. I can't help you. So anyway, so you have you have Charles Darnay. You have this French aristocrat whose family is not great, and he's like, I don't like you, family, and so he goes elsewhere, and he meets some nice people. But then the Defarges are like, I hate that family, so I'm gonna. I'm going to make him go to prison. And then so he has to go to prison. And then the spunky lawyer comes along and he's like, my name's Sidney. I'm here to be your lawyer. And then he gets and then he gets Charles Darnay free. But then spunky lawyer Sidney is like, hey, maybe I'll find God in this church at Christmas sometime because I think I love that dude's wife. And then and then he's like, hey, you're in prison because you got you had to go back to prison. But now, um, because the peasants overthrew the because the peasants overthrew the right, and they're like, if, uh, they were like, look, are you lower class or upper class? Upper class, beheaded. Yeah, go that way, please. Yep. Please see, <laughs> please, please see, Sir Guillotine. <laughs> oh, he sounds nice. That doesn't sound threatening at all. <laughs> and so, and so, Sidney Cartier. Is that his last name? No, that's a that's a jewelry. Right, Cartier is jewelry. Yes, Carton, Sydney Carton. I was close. You are, yeah, Sydney Carton. It's been a long time since I've read a tale of two cities. <laughs> you just watched the movie. Yeah, I watched ten movies, man. I'm lucky I can remember my own name after all <laughs> these characters. So, so he opts. The famous bit is the, like he opts to s- switch places with him, and that's the. It's a far better thing than I go to now. A far better thing than I've ever known. Wow, you blah, blah, you're blah. just butchering stuff today. Yeah, it's late. It's a far, and I'm far tired. better thing I do than I have ever done. It's a far, far better resting place I go to than I've ever okay. known. It, it was in Star Trek Two. Okay. Also, it doesn't count. You're reading it off your phone, and I'm I was not. Doing it from memory. Nice try. Nope. No. Who, who, who it got the to the people, end of the movie, and he hadn't said that line, and it sounded like they were going to the end credits. And I'm like, I swear to God, they don't say that line. I had. I actually had the same thought. I was like, really, really. You did all this stuff in this movie, and this is, and you don't do the line. I agree. Um, this is widely considered the best adaptation of a tale of two cities. There's a few adap- There's a few different ones. It's not been adapted a ton of times, but this is generally the one that people are like, "This is the best version of the book." Okay. Um, it's pretty good. It's not. The book's better. It's just. It just. I was because the book just gets itself better than the movie <laughs> the book does. Writes itself better. It does. Uh, there are some. There are some really good. In the valley of the night is. Stop Sorry. it! It's not the same. It's not even it's, the same writer. I don't That's care. Victor Hugo. It's Les Mis. No, it's not. It's re- <laughs> it's Les Mis if the rebellion had worked, <laughs> and then and the rich di- people then and, become and the, the peasants. Rebellion. So this is my fun. This is my. Fu- I have a fun fact for you. Oh, about do it. you? I bet you it's not as fun as my fun fact. Is, does your I only have two fact- fun facts. Okay. So I swear to God, if this is one of them, okay, I'm throwing do, this phone at you. You do your fun. No, no, no. Facts go first. ahead. What's the what's your fun fact? My fun fact is that. You are probably aware that The Dark Knight Rises is based off of A Tale of Two Cities. I am not aware. Yeah, the that's what Bane's whole plan is to take is to down with the aristocrats that have taken the city. So he lets the people rise up and take control of the city. It's a tale of two cities. It's the French Revolution. 
no yeah no i'm dead serious and you know they they you know that because part of the french revolution is you know the storming of the bastille right and that's like he goes and he storms blackgate prison like he releases all the prisoners and it's all this stuff over and over again yep Blink. and yeah you didn't get the you didn't know that okay no. yeah well that's my fun fact but also this is my actual i that's the precursor this okay. is the real fun fact so madame defarge who is the the villainess of the story you know she's always knitting and that's how they know she's not there in the courtroom they're like wait her knitting's here but she's not you know she must be somewhere you know what i'm talking about no did you watch I, this movie? i'm gonna be honest it took me the entire week to get through this movie like, did you watch this movie i did yeah and you said I butchered the story. <laughs> I, I watched this movie. It was boring. Yeah, that's what I said. That's what I said. This is the best version. We need to make a better version. Uh, we do. But so I'm saying so. So you know, like Madame Defarge goes and she's like, "I know what you've done." And then the maid kills her. Yeah. Yeah, you're just looking at me like, yeah, I sure definitely know that. <laughs> I, I remember right. So any so anyway so so she. During all of the trials, you know, like, because even in Dark Knight Rises, they go to, like, the Scarecrow's the judge, and yeah. he's, like, you know, walk out on the ice, that's the guillotine. Like, that's, go, it's the same thing. It's of the people. And then, but, so Madame Defarge, the whole time, is always knitting. She always knits as people are dying and being sentenced to death. And <laughs> she's just a stitch. Yeah. That's yeah. the only oh, thing I remember I her. love that bit. It's <laughs> hilarious. Um, so, it's, so she... Knitting and knitting and knitting in the Dark Knight Rises in the background of one scene as people are getting judged by the scarecrow, Bane is knitting, which is hilarious because he's the Madame Defarge of that really? story. Yeah, oh, I have to go back and watch that movie. Yeah, it does. I'll show you when we're done recording. Okay. It doesn't. It doesn't. He's just like in the corner on the side, but he's <laughs> legitimately knitting. And like I'm telling you, it's it's not me. It's not me placing dark. Tale of Two Cities on Dark Knight Rises. It's literally a Tale of Two Cities. It was written. It was written that way because I remember Christopher Nolan oh, and Jonathan Nolan talking it about it. It could be incredibly painful for you. For you. Oh, I popped a stitch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so that's my fun fact about this movie. Yeah. Was that a good fun fact? It was. All right. Fun fact: This movie is not good. It's fine. Actually, yeah. the sets are great. The sets are great. They're but great. I mean, the courtroom set was unbelievably good. I don't know. So many people packed in. It was really good. It's funny because one of the things that that went through my mind, and um, there's a there's an episode of Cheers that I love, in which Frazier is trying to introduce classical literature to the bar. Okay. And the first one he does is I. Um, he does one, and he's reading it aloud, but he kind of takes liberties with the story to make it sound more interesting. Mm-hmm. And the next one he does is A Tale of Two Cities, and he essentially turns it into Rambo. That's hilarious. And like his, like his ending is, it's a far, far better thing I do than I've ever done. It's a far, far greater butt kicking than I've ever given as I've ever <laughs> butt kicked. That's awesome. And then like... And then, like, the next one he was going to do was, like, David Copperfield, where, like, I think it turns into, like, it. <laughs> what? Oh, that's amazing. But, um, so, actor Ronald Coleman agreed to play the role of Cindy Carton with mm-hmm. the sole condition that he not also be required to play the role of Charles Darnay. 
as was usually expected in adaptations That's of right. Dickens' novels. Because they're supposed to be exact lookalikes, basically. The plot of A Tale of Two Cities turns on the physical resemblance between the two characters. Coleman had long wanted to play Sidney Carton and was even willing to shave off his beloved mustache to play the part. Hmm. He was very. I thought he was very. He good. was excellent. Mm-hmm. Like he is the best. Like if I best had an part entire of movie. movie of just him, yeah, it's a great movie. Best part of this movie. The the rest of it just. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know what else I was expecting. Like I walked into this only knowing the beginning of the book and the end of the book. Well, that's maybe, all I knew. I knew nothing else about the film. Maybe that's your problem. You knew the ending. <laughs> well, I didn't know he died. I oh. just know like that's the the last lines of the book. Like, gotcha. I had no idea what it's about. Gotcha. Um, but. I don't know, like, for a movie about French Revolution, you sh- this is you- the most boring one. A Tale of Two Cities is a great story. I don't Don't even this. try and make me read it. No. You tried to make me read Moby Dick. I'm on page three billion and two, actually, and they're still not on the boat. Actually, A Tale of Two Cities is much easier to read than Moby Dick. If if you had to choose one, I would say A, T- a Tale of Two Cities is actually easier. Okay. Because it has that Dickens-like kind of, like... Well, don't he, even don't try and sell me that because I've tried reading a Christmas Carol and I can't do it. It has it has Dickens humor. It has that's what I was going to say. Dickensian you know, like, humor. Dickensian humor. You know where he's like, I don't know what is particularly dead about a doornail, but you know, there you go. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of it's got that kind of. He has a twinkle when he writes. It's I would never tell you to read Great Expectations or David Copperfield or Nicholas Nickleby or anything like that. But A Tale of Two Cities is. But if you can't get through a Christmas Carol, I wouldn't recommend A Tale of Two Cities either. This was David O. Selznick's last film for MGM. He was able to fund his own studio afterwards, largely on the strength of this film's box office receipts. Oh, yeah, and how's that? This movie made, how is David O. Sel- well, he's dead. I was going to say, how's so, his studio doing? Uh, he sold long before oh, okay. he died. Like, he sold he sold the studio. Like, it didn't go under. He just oh, sold okay. it. Um, probably to Warner Brothers, because O. Selznick is the one who does um, Gone with the Wind. Mm-hmm. So... That's coming up soon, I think. No, that would be the last season because it's thirty nine to forty. Oh, forty, right? Yeah, yeah, right, right. Okay. Um. Oh well, right, but that's about it. I mean, yeah, it's that's just fine. not. I don't know. He's good. He is really good. The rest of this falls flat, and I don't know how I would fix it personally. All right. Well, we're gonna move on then, because okay. you know what? We still have twenty movies to go. We still have four movies to talk about. And that's from not really talking about most of these movies. No, Oh, my God. All right. What else? What's next? Dodsworth, directed by William Wyler, written by Sidney Howard and Sinclair, or based on the book by Sinclair Lewis, starring Walter Houston, Ruth Chatterton, Paul Lucas, and Mary Astor. Nominated for Best Picture, Actor, Supporting Actress, Director, Screenplay, and Sound Recording. It won Best Art Direction. Beautiful film. Great sets. Great sets. This is the story of a retired auto manufacturer. He's like, I'm done making cars. I'm going to retire. <laughs> I'm done making cars. And, and I'm going to see the world. Right. I'm going to tour Europe. And his yeah. wife's like, fantastic. I'm 35, and I've been married for 20 years. And you're like, interesting. So naturally, I want a divorce. Yeah, so she's like... Wants to like get out, and they realize they just want different things in life, and they have a big blowout about it, and then they just eventually kind of grow apart because he's been working basically their whole marriage, and so now that they can actually spend time together, they realize they're just not people that want to be with one another at all. 
he wants to be with her. Yes, I think he wants to try to be with her. Right. She is very I think she got so used to his absence that she doesn't want to be with him. Now she's finally feels like she can be a little free because they've gone to Europe and yeah. whatever else and but he's like, "Ah, come, let's go home. You know, let's see our daughter." She's like, "No. You go without me. I'll stay." Yeah. It's weird cuz the the movie tries to present her infidelities mm-hmm. as not being a thing or bad. Like she just is she is in dire fear of growing old. Yes, even though she's 35. Right, but I mean, that's old for then. Sure. It's not that old for then, but sure. Um so like this movie handles to me, the, their movie, this movie handles her, her infidelities with such kid gloves that, like, I can't take the movie seriously. What do you mean they like? What do you mean that like it never really gets to the like the crux of the problem with their relationship? Or... No, like, sh- like she is cheating on him. Yeah, he's and he's just of... kind of okay with it. He's... And he's like, all right, look. You did that. Now come home. We'll be together. He's a very forgiving person. It's, I know, but it's just so weird to me. Like I understand that. Like it, it. Look, I'm. It's one of those. It's one of those instances. Like everyone reacts different to that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. But I just can't see it. Like he doesn't really seem upset. It's. I just find their dynamic just so strange. Mm. Like, I could see, like, him yelling, getting very upset, and then at the end of it being, you know what, I still love you, come back to me, we can try and make this work. But he just, he always seems to be resigning to the stuff, and then is like, well, you know, let's just go home. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't I don't completely disagree with you there. It's just, that's character choice. I, Walter Houston, I think, is excellent in this movie. I think he's he's really good. He's my favorite part of the movie. Mm-hmm. I think that it also starts strong, and after they kind of have that fight where she's like, you know, I'll stay, you go, you know, like I think it kind of starts to die from there, and yeah. it doesn't really recover. Not that it ever becomes a bad film. It just doesn't. I don't think be, it doesn't become as it doesn't stay as interesting, right. If that if that makes the most sense, no, it does. And I mean, I'm glad she got like she kind of gets her comeuppance in the end, mm-hmm. because she doesn't end up with anybody. No, she doesn't. Um, and he does like he finds somebody else, and mm-hmm. he kind of moves on. And she even tries to drag him back. That's right. Like that, I think that was when I kind of checked out of the movie. Was after everything, I'm like, all right, he's moving on with his life, finally. And then, like, she, the guy that she's seeing, her mother, his mother won't allow the marriage. So he's like, well, we can wait until she dies. She's got to die eventually. Mm-hmm. And so she leaves him to try and go back with her husband. And the husband's just like, okay. Yeah. Like, that was, like, granted, that was towards the end, but I was like, I, I'm done with this movie. It's a lot. It of, was good. It's a lot of okaying. Yeah. Like, the, the husband's just kind of sheepish to me, which, I mean, is kind of a dynamic change. Like, usually it's the, 
it's the female role mm-hmm. that you kind of see that a lot in, and I don't even like it when it's like that. So it's not yeah. it's not just the fact that it's it's that it's just at some point I just wanted to see some emotion or fight for the marriage. Yeah, and I don't get that. Sure, sure, I can understand that, and I don't disagree. But I think I was I really enjoyed. I think. I I definitely understand why it won Best Art Direction because it's a very pretty film. The boat's good. All the places in Europe is are, are fine. Europe, I mean, you can't make Europe look bad. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. you can. Make anything look bad. We lived in the back. All we ever heard was, was yodeling. Yodeling. This is the second film with Audling Sign in it. Fun fact. Yep, because yep. we haven't done Mr. Deeds Goes to Town yet. Exactly. Exactly. Do you have any fun facts? I do. William Wyler spent a whole afternoon shooting the sequence where Fran burns a letter from her husband. He wanted the letter to specifically blow gently along the terrorists, stop for a moment, and then continue to flutter as the scene faded to black as a metaphor for Fran and Sam's failing marriage. Wow, that's a... Wow. (laughs) There's a lot of work for a letter. But you know what? Got nominated for Best Picture, so I guess his hard work paid off. At the time of filming, Mary Astor was going through a very public and very scandalous divorce from her husband, who used Astor's diary to prove that she had been having an affair with playwright George S. Kaufman. With the press constantly stalking her, she sometimes slept on set to avoid confrontation. Many people involved in the production side with Astor throughout the ordeal sided with Astor throughout the ordeal, including William Wyler, Samuel Goldwyn, and Ruth Chatterton, who appeared as a character witness on Astor's behalf. Wow. All right. This this marks the first time under the production code that a man is seen to walk out of his marriage and not get punished for it. He's not the one that does. She does. He just finally gives up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. They're not real. It's They're okay. real to me. It's okay. All right, Stuart. Yeah. Stuart, your dad's not dead. He's dead to me. <laughs> anyway, can we move on? Yeah, we can. Great. I'm because I'm tired. And we still it's, have three it's movies. Literally eight thirty. We have three movies left. Yes, but I worked today. So did I. Yeah. Wow. But I just was because on vacation. you get summers off and don't remember how it is to work. That's not true. You know I work all summer. That's not true at all. But now I've gone back from instead of doing two things, now I'm doing three, and it got tiring again. Wah. That's all I hear out of you geometry teachers. I told you (laughs) I teach chemistry. (laughs) Anyway, no. (laughs) Anyway, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, directed by Frank Capra, written by Robert Riskin, based on the story by Clarice Calland. Starring Gary Cooper, Gene Arthur, George Bancroft, and Lionel Stander. It was nominated for Best Picture, Actor, Screenplay, and Sound. It won Best Director. And that's it. Mr. Deeds Goes to Town is a story about a lovely man named Deeds. Mr. Deeds. What's his first name? Longfellow. Longfellow. Goodfellow. You're thinking of uh, Goodfeather from the... Anthony Adverse. Or yeah, that, maybe that, maybe that like, yeah, could find him. So anyway, Longfellow Deeds, who lives in a cute little town in New Hampshire. Maine. Maine? Is it Maine? That was New Hampshire. I think it's New Hampshire in the remake. 
Uh, we know why because Adam Sandler's from New Hampshire. Yeah, that's why. So he cute little town of Maine, and everybody loves him. He plays the tuba. It's all all fun and games. And he found and he finds out that he has come into a lot of money, and it's him kind of dealing with the scoundrels that are around him while he just was kind of ready to live his regular normal life. And it was cute. It's a classic Frank Capra. It's kind of fun. It really it's kind of funny. There's it doesn't have I don't think it has the like pizzazz or the fun the or punch like, pizzazz, Yahoo. The punch pizzazz. Yeah, it doesn't have that of it's a wonderful life. It's kind of like uh Yeah. It does it's a kind of missing something. He hasn't quite figured out the formula yet. And for some reason I always felt the whole time like Gary Cooper's deeds was kind of annoyed with everyone the whole time as opposed to just being kind of affable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there are times where I'm like, uh, yeah, I like did his character. I, I never thought I'd say this. I like the Adam Sandler movie better. I, I like the movie. I like the Adam Sandler version of the character better. I think he's he's I think he's actually a better person in the Adam Sandler movie. Yes. He's a, he's actually a nice person as opposed to somebody who's nice but has but a really... flies off the handle. Yeah. Easier. I did really enjoy the end where where he just, just kind of lays into everybody. Wow. A kind of the Santa Claus bit where yeah. he's like, okay, like Longfellow, like, you haven't said anything this whole trial, so if you'd like to talk, talk. And he just lays it all out. That bit is great. Yeah. It's a great lead up to that moment. But ultimately, the whole film is kind of fine. I think, I think it's because of Gary Cooper. You think so? I think if this movie is... But he's super duper! I think if this movie is... James Stewart, you get a different Longfellow Dean. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah. He would have been a slightly angry Longfellow Deans. <laughs> well, I'm just gonna I just wanna play the tuba. Why I've just I, I just, just wanna, wanna play, play the, the tuba. I wanna play yeah. the tuba. Anyway, this is the third movie with the odd lang sign in it. Yes. And it's it's all it's all good. It's just not a great version of the film. Uh, yeah. I so mean, given I, the choice, I will choose the Adam Sandler version. Yeah, and I mean that's partly because I really love Winona Ryder. Although I really like um, the the lead actress in this movie, that would be Jean Arthur. Yeah, I do really like Jean Arthur. She's Gar- good. Gary Cooper is just meh to me. He's very meh. Um, I did like I did like um, his mobster his mo- his mobster consigliere. That's like near him the entire time there. Oh yeah, do you like that? That one was that guy good. was good. But I mean, yeah. you're right. It feels like he. It feels like Capra hadn't quite worked out the formula, and I believe that it's just down to the acting choice. If he cast somebody other than Gary Cooper, oh, I just, think you get a better version. I think Gary Cooper. This is a weird comment. I think Gary Cooper was too tall. To play this part, like he w- he towered over everyone, and yeah. so it made him kind of imposing, which is not what you probably should have been feeling, right? But it's fine, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, yeah, it's okay. I mean, I did learn that apparently Grant's tomb is in New York. I didn't know that. 
Oh, yeah, you had said that. I didn't know yeah. that either. Exactly. Yeah. Because that's all Longfellow Deeds wants to do is go to Grant's tomb. He just loves Grant. He just loves Grant's tomb so much. Not even Grant, just Grant's tomb. Right. Um, yeah. Do you have fun facts about this movie? I might, actually. You might. Uh, well, let me just sit back here this and let you movie, take your time because we still have two movies to talk about after this. This movie marks the entry of the verb doodle in the sense of absent-minded scribbling into the English language. You know, I, I'm glad you said that. I wondered about that because yeah. he talks about people doodling. Yeah. And I was like, that, because he said, oh, that's what we call it in Maine. Mandrake it, Falls. Mandrake, he's what they call it in Mandrake Falls, right? But I was like, I, like is that a thing from this movie? That's what, because that's yeah. in the culture. That's That alone gets yep. this movie in Best Nominated Picture. Yeah. Um. I do like one of their things is like he plays the tuba. He's got to be crazy. Isn't that crazy? I know he's like uh, there are a lot of tuba players out there. So <laughs> either they're all crazy or they you're are. the weird ones. Have you ever met a tuba player? Boom, 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 boom Harry Conan had a dictum in that he would only allow his directors to print only one of their takes, thereby saving the studio a great deal of money. Frank Capra found a loophole in getting around this. At the end of each take, instead of shouting cut, he would shout, do it again, and the actors would launch immediately into an unbroken repetition of the scene. Wow, that's crazy, because <laughs> then they'd only cut that bit. Right. I wonder if people know that the cut comes from like cutting like the film, so it would... Right. Yeah, I wonder if that's why. I wonder if people know that. Well, now they do. There you go. Because that's where you cut the film. Because that's right. where you take it away. So, so they only you could only print one. So you just like tossed out the rest of the stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a waste. Columbia and Frank Capra intended to make a sequel to this movie, starring Gary Cooper and Gene Arthur. Do you know what that movie was supposed to be called? Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. You are correct. Mister Deeds goes to Washington, <laughs> based on the story, <laughs> the gentleman from Wyoming. Alternatively called The Gentleman from Montana by both contemporary and modern sources by Lewis R. Foster. The story was instead turned into the 1939 film Mr. Mr. Smith, Smith Goes, Goes to Washington. Directed by Frank Capra, starring Arthur and James Stewart. When did that come out? What year? It's the same year as Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind. Oh, now. so that's, wow, that's going to be, that's a, that's a packed year. Yeah, that is widely considered a- to be the best like year for movies. That is a that's our last episode too, right? Oh yeah. That's our last episode. That's packed. Just those three movies alone. And don't forget, I've already got Tim committed to to a big musical number to finish off the series. <sighs> I think you're lucky we have a lot of episodes left. <laughs> you're you're lucky. One way Frank Capra maintained control over his work was by refusing to shoot if any studio executives came onto the set. Whenever Harry Conan would come on set, Capra would call a half-hour coffee break. The lost time was so expensive, Cohen rarely showed his face. Hmm. Oh, well, there you go. That's fine. Yeah, this is a good movie. It's a, it's, it feels like a very Frank Capra movie, but Gary Cooper feels out of place. Yes, good. All right, two movies left. Here we go. The Story of Louis Pasteur, directed by William H. Macy. No, I love William H. Macy, though. That was close. No, Dietrle. D-I-E-T-E-R-L-E. Ternardier? 
Delictiria, written by Sheridan Gibney and Pierre Collings, starring Paul Mooney, Josephine Hutchinson, Anita Louise, and Donald Woods. This movie was nominated for Best Picture, and it won actor, original story, and screenplay. It tells the story of Louis Pasteur, who discovered the microbes. Who the discovered cure... pasteurization of... No, he did no. not. Um... He didn't? I'm pretty sure he did. Okay. That's right. why it's called pasteurization. pasteurization. Look that up. No. No. <laughs> um, I'm going to. The microbes, cure for rabies. There was another one in there, but I can't remember. Anthrax. Anthrax, yeah. And so he is a quite an important figure in the field of science and in the history of the world. And this movie does him a pretty okay service. Paul Mooney is very good, as he always is, because he's Paul Mooney and he... He can kind of disappear into a role. Sometimes you forget it's Paul Mooney. Um, and so, I'm, uh, apart from that, I don't think the movie is good. I think it's I think it's good at distilling the story of Louis Pasteur. Yeah. Because it doesn't feel, it could very well feel overwrought, like so much detail or like too much of a timeline. See, I don't think it goes it, into any detail. See, I think it's just like we're going to try and figure out the cure for this. All right, stuff happens, stuff happens. How's that cure coming along? Well, we're testing it now. Yeah. Um in a way that's kind of where it falls short a little yeah. bit. I can understand why it won best writing. Original was it original story that I say? Uh best screenplay and original. Best screenplay and original story, so it won both writing awards. Mm-hmm. So that's that's pretty good. That's on, good on them. Uh, ultimately, I mean, I think some of the other films are are a little bit better connected. But whereas the, where we said like a lot of films dipped as they went along, this film is consistent from start to finish. You know, it's 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 good back, backwards and forwards, and and Mooney's good. And so I really don't have anything – I don't have anything terrible to say about it, but I don't have anything great to say about it either beyond what I said. What do you think? He is best known to the general public for his invention of the technique of treating milk and wine to stop bacterial contamination, a process now called pasteurization. Wow. How about that? Good for you. Um, and, you know, he does, he is the one who came up with the idea of – you should wash your hands before performing surgery. You know. Or you should boil your instruments, doctors. Which, like, doctors were upset with him at the time. They're like, you're a quack. Isn't that crazy? That's, yeah, this, this, that is definitely crazy? A, this is definitely a movie. And don't get me wrong. Like, I realize people had to discover this. Yeah. But, like, we're so far past that now. You're like, how were people so stupid? How were people alive? Yeah. No, no, cra- no wonder everyone died during childbirth. It's it's things like that where people are like, where people are like, science is number one and the only answer for everything. And I just kind of go, okay, yeah, because you used to think that, like, like sanitizing your instruments wasn't needed, right? Like that you didn't believe in microbes or bacteria, like, or like, like what are you talking about? That, like, like seeing, seeing, seeing this movie and seeing like before that, like how many, how many women from pregnancies died because of infection, 
because they weren't they weren't scrubbed or their their instruments weren't right. treated well. I'm sitting there going, how did anyone ever convince women to have babies? No, I don't think it was really like that was convincing. putting your life in your hands at that point in time. Ex- the exactly. human race should not be here anymore. No, absolutely not. But you know, maybe we shouldn't be here for other reasons too. So we don't um, deserve it. So Paul Mooney um, was in last season for Life of Emile Zola. So he has a knack for playing real people. Yes, and kind of like the the Life of Emile Zola. I I do kind of like this movie, but I feel like it's a movie that kind of been I could have been cut down. And given a better version of it, just like the the life of Emil Zola, I wanted just more of like the the court case, mm-hmm. and I felt like that was the best parts of the movie, and they could have expanded upon that. Here, like they they kind of breeze over his his thing of um, bacteria, then they kind of go into the anthrax stuff, and then they kind of they the point of the movie seems to be his work on rabies which apparently is called hydrophobia, hmm. which I felt is odd because I'm like, why? Because like, most of the time you hear something phobia, it's like fear of. Right, phobia. Right. So I'm like, why, why, did, we call, um, why did we call fear of water rabies? Like I'm, I'm pretty sure is rabies hy- has something. Hydra or hydro? Hydro. Oh, that's weird. I don't know. Um, but like I believe rabies has something to do with becoming very um, dehydrated. Oh, okay. Well, uh, but I just felt like fear of water. Like when you're rabid, like are you like a vampire at that point in time? Are you I can't the have water. Witch? I can't have the water. I did like this the cyclical nature of the writing. So this movie starts with everyone like "boo, don't boil your instruments," and then at the end they're like "woo, Louis Pasteur, boil instruments, clapping." <laughs> yeah, I did kind of. I did like that. Well, he's. They don't believe him because he's not a doctor. He is a scientist. Right, and it's like, what? What do you know about medicine? Right, doctor who's not a doctor. Um, but then you have, and the other reason they kind of look down upon him is because he is kind of going around saying, if the doctors are not doing this, they're the ones killing your wives. They're the ones that are causing you this. And somebody kills a doctor because of it. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it was kind of like the rhetoric he was giving, so that kind of dis- that was a kind of a disservice to him, which I I kind of understood. But at the same time, um, mm-hmm. I mean, this movie was interesting, and it's interesting for the fact of the fact. Like I said, I only thought he did the pasteurization. Like I didn't. I was like the one thing I knew about him. He they don't talk about it all in this movie. Uh, they kind of no. I guess they really don't. I was like they do the sheep thing, but that's for anthrax. Right. I think. Yeah. Never mind. Well, there you go. There you, one, two, there you go. But Paul Mooney is a delight in this movie. He is. Did you do fun facts also, already? I, no, no, I got uh, one thing before fun facts. Go back and look at the poster for this movie, and it is the most evil-looking poster. I thought it movie. was about an evil doctor. I thought it was about the devil. Right. I thought it was about I Faust. I was like, why are you using Louis Pasteur? <laughs> what a crow, like, as... as it's like a close-up of his face with, like, a red background. It's so... Yeah, it does not sell weird, the movie yeah. well. No, I agree. Like, I thought Vincent Price should have been in this movie. Absolutely. Pierre Collings and 
uh, Sheridan Gibney became the first two people to win two Academy Awards for the same film, winning for Best Screenplay and Best Original Story. It also it is also the first time out of four that a film won two writing awards at the Oscars. Oh wow, that's nice. Hal B. Wallace originally rejected Gibney's script. He wanted to make the movie. He wanted the movie to be a college romance. Star Paul Mooney had control in his contract, so he wrote across the top of the screenplay. I approve the script as written. Warner Brothers had to film Gibney's original script, which went on to win an Oscar. Wow, that's great. Yep, that's great. Showed them. Last film. Last film. The Great Ziegfeld, directed by Robert Z. Leonard, written by William Anthony McGuire, starring William Powell. Yep. There's the other one. Myrna Loy, Louise Rayner, and Frank Morgan of notable as the Wizard. The Wizard, but he is literally the Wizard. Also, again, Ray in this movie. Also, Ray Bolger in this movie, who played the Scarecrow in The Wizard of yep. Oz, very briefly in this film. Nominated for Director, Original Story, Art Direction, Editing, it won Best Picture, Best Actress for Louise Rayner, and Dance Direction. Which didn't say it was a specialty award, but I nope, feel like it was, was. No, that was a... They I just got like, rid of that last year, I think. Say again? They just got rid of that award Dance last to, year. Got, Dance Direction? Yep. I haven't seen it in a while. The, they just kept giving it to the, the great Ziegfeld. Ziegfeld tells the story of Ziegfeld, who starts out as a carny, basically, yeah. and then kind of transforms himself into one of Broadway's most important and influential and poorest, and poorest because they can't hold on to any kind of money. Uh, influential, influential producers. Yeah. Most notable for the Follies, I the think. People, Follies. The Ziegfeld Follies, which I think people have heard of, even if and they've never seen. Showboat is the other one that I, I would think of. Unfortunately, The Three Musketeers never really took off as a musical, though it isn't here very briefly. Yeah, because like, towards the end when he's like, I'm going to have three shows on Broadway all at the same time, all success. And they're like, The Three Musketeers, whoopee. Showboat. I'm like, there's only one of those that I heard. Only of. one of those is an important one. Yeah. Although, Although Whoopi, I think that actually did happen. I really think that he was like, I'm going to have all three on no, here. He did. Like, yeah. That that actually happened. And Whoopi, even though nobody on earth can tell you that it was a musical, that's where you get the song "Making Whoopi" from. Oh. And that's why you can hear it in the when they show the. Yes, I would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This. This movie is very self-indulgent. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. The follies. It's a folly. No, that's not the reason. No. That's not the reason. I'll let you tell me. I'll let you tell me the reason. I think it's definitely wowed people when it came out. I get why it won Best Picture. You watch it and you're like, wow, look at all that on screen. That's (laughs) Look at all those stairs. Look at all the stairs. There's so many stairs. Now... (laughs) In hindsight, in retrospect, it's one of those, maybe that wasn't the best decision by the Academy. Maybe they shouldn't have had blackface. Nope. They definitely shouldn't oh, have. Oh, man. Like, you I, told me about I it. Told and I, forgot, it I told you it was and coming. I told you it was coming. I saw it last night, and I'm like, wow. Wow. Like, who, who, again, this is like the Louis Pasteur thing where I'm sitting there going, whoever thought this was a good idea? 
Whoever thought this was a good idea. Yeah. Like, I'm not talking about the movies. Like, I know this actually, like, happened. Whoever thought blackface like, was who, a good idea. Like, who on earth thought blackface was ever a good idea? It's just awful. It's so awful and oh. even creepy looking. It's no good. It really is. It's no, like, it was like three seconds on screen. I'm like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> like, get it? Like, it was, ugh, crazy. So, th- that's kind of my... And so th- that's like the very broad version of the story. And then it's also really about how he like he has like a gambling problem and, you know, like he just can't really hold on to any of the money because he pours it into all these other things. And so he goes to his kind of buddy, kind of kind nemesis, of the Wizard of Oz, Frank Morgan. And yeah, kind of a rival. And, you know, and they kind of have a back and forth the whole time. Who, Frank Morgan, I thought, was absolutely delightful in he this was. movie the whole time. He, he was good. He's the best. Frank Morgan is the best. Uh, you don't have any fun facts that will diminish my love of Frank Morgan. No, you? no, I don't. Uh, fantastic. Okay, great. So th- that's basically the movie. A good chunk of it, I'd say, like, maybe towards half. By the time you get to a halfway point in the movie, that's when it starts to really, like, show you. The, the shows, the shows, yeah, and then so it's a long movie by because of that. Yeah, if you take out those, you can save an hour. Oh, easily, yeah, easily. But at the end, I did enjoy it. I I wouldn't call it best picture, but I did enjoy it because it is for the most part fun, and it goes through his whole life. He's young all the way up until like the end of it. It's to the end of his life. And so he's young right up until he gets old. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you have to say about this? I I told you last night when I was watching it, this for a movie about Broadway and the overindulgence of Broadway, mm-hmm. this vehicle to me was just boring at most of the times. I really like Frank Morgan, but even like the, the song and dance scenes, I'm like, in a better movie, in a movie that's kind of zipping along, I think those scenes really work. But in a movie that just feels like it's dragging, it makes the movie drag more. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying they're not good. I like, you know, they're they're nice, pretty scenes. They're done very well. Like, if I was paying to go see that on Broadway, I would I would pay money. I would go see it. But in a movie that I already felt was dragging, it just kind of bloats the runtime more. Definitely. Definitely agree um, with that. And mm-hmm. and again, like so, he he gets the three shows on Broadway, and he's finally getting money. And they're like, "So you're are you broke yet?" And he's like, "I'm smart. This time, I invested some in the stock market." As soon as he said, "I invested some," I'm like, "Stock market crash." I was like, "Stock this is, market yeah, I was crash." Like, so in about five seconds, the the stock market's gonna crash. Phone rings. Hold on a second. It's my broker. How how are we doing? What? What? You need more money. Like, uh, like, and don't get me wrong. Like, it's you can't you can't get around that. That's what happened. I don't know if it happened in the same time frame. Sure. Like, I finally have money, and now this is what it's doing, or what? But it's no. Like, it was just one of those times. I'm like, ah. Mm. Yeah, I don't disagree. Anything? Do you have fun facts? I'm about I'm about tapped on things to say. So, do you have any fun facts? Yes, I do. Okay, tell me some fun fact. This was about a Broadway producer named yes. Ziegfeld. Yes, very good. 
I thought so. I knew that. I was waiting for him to sing I Want to Be a Producer, and it never I came. I want to be a producer. I like that you started kind of in the middle of the song. Like like you kind of did the, the showgirl version where they make fun of fo- the Follies, yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah. All right. A.A. A. Trimble, who portrays Will Rogers in the film, was actually a Cleveland map salesman who frequently impersonated Rogers at Rotarian lunches. Okay. That's fun. Next one, please. Pat Nixon, then Patricia Ryan, the future wife of Richard Nixon and the first lady of the United States from 1969 to 1974, makes an uncredited appearance as a Ziegfeld girl. That's cool. I did not know that. I guess I'll just have to rewatch the whole thing to find her. I will not. <laughs> that actually is cool. Uh, Louis Rayner was the first actress in Academy history to win back-to-back Oscars for Best Actress for this film in 1936 and The Good Earth in 1937. Yep. Catherine Hepburn repeated the trick in 1967 and 68. 67, 68. One um, of those was Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, I think. Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, 67. Maybe we haven't gotten to that one that yet. this year. No, was it a film that came out in 66? The 67, 67, 68 awards. Oh, I see. So guess who's coming to dinner? Was last season. Yep. And then so what was this season in the 60s that had... Oh, uh, Lion in the Winter? Nope, that was was 69. Oh. Actually, maybe that was the one that won. That's what I mean. Because I think she won for that. That's why I'm confused, because I don't think Catherine Hepburn was in any of these movies in the 60s. In the 60s? She wasn't in A Man for All Seasons, The Russians Are Coming, Alfie, oh, yeah, no, Who's that, Afraid no, of Virginia yeah, she Woolf. Wasn't. Yeah, okay, so, that's why I was confused. So it's Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and... And, and The Lion in Winter. Yeah, okay. okay. That makes more sense. Okay. The sequence, A Pretty Girl is Like a Melody, was filmed in two lengthy takes after several weeks of rehearsals and filming. A definite cut is made when moving to a close-up on the singer dressed as Pagliacci, presumably to affect a change of camera position necessary to start the inexorable the inexorable move up the huge staircase it features 180 performers and costs $220,000 4,300 yards of rayon silk were used for the curtains in the scene that's crazy yeah um and whenever he was talking about stairs i just flash back to the to the scene from um, National Treasure. Look, Riley. <gasps> Stairs. <laughs> and a trivia question. One of 11 American musicals, sorry, one of 12 musicals to win Best Picture. Name the other ones. Name of 12 musicals to win Best Picture? Yep. Sound of Music. One. Oliver. Two. My Fair Lady. Three. Mm, this is a good. This is a good trivia question. This one we saw that we Le, didn't. Les like, Mis. That is not counted on this list, but yes, that is four. That's why okay. I said twelve. Okay. We saw one. You said we've already seen one for the show, and we both were like, "Yeah, this is okay." And then everyone yelled at us. She. Oh. Um. Gigi. Yep. Gigi. Uh, Gigi. Gigi is the uh, not so good movie. That's um, five. Gigi. Um, 
Give me a year. Give me a decade. Uh, 60s. You hey. still have one in the 60s. Hey. Nope, not hairspray. Um, not hair. Funny girl wasn't, didn't nope. win. I don't know. Tell West Side Story. West Side Story. Dang it. Uh, 80s. Xanadu. No. No. <laughs> 80s. 80s movie musical? Yep. Think of uh, Based on a Life Story. Based on a... No. No. Uh, I don't know. Tell me. Amadeus. That's not a musical. It it's not. It counts. No. 2000s. That's dumb. I can't, I'm not counting that. Nope. That's dumb. Too bad. 2000s. 2000s. Moulin Rouge didn't win. Correct. And that was the 90s. Wasn't 2000? Nope, 99. Oh. 90s. Movie. No, 2000s. 2000s. Oh, Chicago. Yep. And then the other ones are the 50s and before. So one we have seen, the 1920s, a Broadway melody. No, we have not seen a Broadway melody yet. We're done with the 20s. You said the 20s? 1929, Broadway oh, Melody. Oh, because next season in 19, 1936, a Broadway Melody of 1936 is nominated. Oh, yeah, no. Not that oh, okay. One. The first one won. That's why I got confused. Um, so it goes, the Broadway Melody, the Great Ziegfeld, Going My Way, An American in Paris, Gigi, West Side Story, My Fair Lady, The Sound of Music, Oliver, Amadeus, Chicago, and Les Mis. I will not count Too bad. Amadeus in that. It's a play. I'll give you that. It's a Broadway play. Well, there you go. But no, I will not count that. Anyway. All right, let's get on to the awards. Great. All right, so we do the awards for 1937 films. And here we go. And I'm going to add special effects. Special effects. All right. San Francisco. Nope. I'm choosing the scroll on Romeo and Juliet. Okay, that's fine. I don't care what you do. Uh, (laughs) Um. I don't care what you do. Best actor. Really? You're going to go actor instead of supporting? I just I just wrote them in a weird order. Just you go really with me. did. I didn't do the other ones in that order, though. I did them in Academy order. Best actor? Yep. I will give to the star of A Tale of Two Cities. Okay. Do, are you going to... I was trying to look him up, but you <laughs> you started with that one. Ronald Coleman? Yeah. Okay. Great. Or Reginald Owen, Basil no, Rathbone, Coleman. Coleman. Okay. Do you want me to do supporting actor now? Is that no? Because you, you have to give yours. That's oh, how this Walter works. Walter Houston for Dodsworth. <laughs> I thought he was terrific. Okay. Walter Houston he was excellent. He was very natural, and I will give him. I will give him points for that. In a in a in a lot of movies where nobody felt like a real person, he felt like a real person. And, yeah. Uh, best actress. Um. Best actress. Do you want me to do mine? While yeah, you, go ahead. While you look, okay. I'll give it to Louise Rayner for Ziegfeld, who she also won for Ziegfeld. I thought she oh, was good. One of the one uh, to go back to it. Mm-hmm. The reason why Ziegfeld felt very self indulgent was because his wife was very heavily uh, involved in the writing of the script. Oh. So they really. Made sure like he came across really good and kind of downplayed his infidelities. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So what were we talking about? Best actress. Best actress is the wonderful actress from... Um, good. Mr. Good. Deeds Goes to Washington, Gene Arthur. Gene Arthur. Okay. Mr. Deeds. 
a supporting actor. Supporting actor, I would give to Spencer Tracy. For, just in general. Just doesn't matter. General, for San Francisco. Doesn't I matter. I would give it to San Francisco. I really would, like Instead of Libel Lady? Huh? Instead of Libel Lady? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give it to Frank Morgan for Siegfeld. Yeah, I know. Because he's the best. <laughs> he was so good. He was so good. He wasn't just playing the Wizard of Oz. I don't care. He was so good. No, I know. He was. Like, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you're wrong. You're very right in that respect. Uh, supporting actress. Supporting actress, the um, Dibney from uh, Three Smart Women. Okay. One of the sisters. The youngest sister. Okay. Yeah, she was good. Durbin. Okay. Deanna Durbin. Deanna Durbin. Would you call her supporting actress, though? I guess. Look, initially, I wanted to give all three of them okay. like a share. They were but good. They, they, were, they were really great. good. Uh, supporting actress, I'm going to give to Blanche Yorka, who played Madame Defarge in A Tale of Two Cities. I thought she was quite good. Okay. I thought she was very good. Cinematography. Uh, cinematography, I would probably go with A Tale of Two Cities. I almost went that. I went Anthony Adverse because I thought it was a, a lot of cool sets. Yeah. Um, not that that's what this is for, but I thought it was shot well. There was some very dynamic action sequences. Best music? Best music, I would go with mm-hmm. Three Smart Girls. Three Smart Girls, yeah. sure. That was good. I'm going to go Great Ziegfeld because I had a lot yeah. of the, had a lot of good stuff in there. Best writing, Romeo and Juliet. Could I go? <laughs> well, I can't blame you for that. You're uh, going to go with the Tale of Two Cities. I'm going to go with San Francisco. <laughs> actually, I enjoy <laughs> San Francisco. Uh, production design. Um. San Francisco. I am also going San Francisco. Just the earthquake set alone, like having yeah. everything break, and it, it was well done. And so, best picture goes to. I th- I think I would give it to San Francisco. I am also going to give it to San Francisco. And honestly, this year was a year of ten meh movies. Yeah, it kind of was. Not none of them were bad. No, they were just all meh. meh. They were just yeah. meh. Nothing really kind of stood out. No, not a single one. Yeah. So that's fine. So, But San Francisco was the only one that I was like, all right, I'm into you. Mm-hmm. So San Francisco, it is. Now, we are going to go back and look at, we are going to Academy Rewind all the way <laughs> back through all the sevens, all this season. And we are going to give out the best category, the best of ev- best categories of the everything of the everything, right? You, you're good now. You got Ooh, it. Yeah. I, I. Sorry. I. The turnkey that keeps me going got stuck for a second, <laughs> and so. But I'm good now. Okay. I've. I, I'm. I'm surviving. I am surviving. I will survive. Do, 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 as long do, do, as do. I know how to love, I know I feel but alive. But you hate love, so. Do I? Yes. It is a well-known fact. I don't hate love. I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about sometimes. Am I right? No. Am I right? Are you right? All right. Here we go. So, yep. What are we... Okay. Now that you've looked up the list. I needed the list of all the movies. (laughs) um, Because I I am going to add special effects into this little list. That's why I needed the list in front of me. So I'll this is like some... the most the most sell, like special effects list thing ever. All right, fine, I got it. Go. Okay, supporting actor. God, I had special effects. Oh, ready. sorry, supporting. <laughs> I was doing it in the order the Academy does it. Fine, special effects. 
Ten Commandments. Yeah, I'm going to give it Ten Commandments too, just because they were <laughs> they were spectacular for the day. Yeah, because it would be unfair for me to be like Arrival because you can create it in a computer. Like that's not you but know even what I mean. Then, like there wasn't a lot of great. All of the suits in Arrival, all yeah. of the spacesuits, like the the um, hazmat suits, they're all CG. They're well, not real dumb. suits. You have the ability to just get these things. I know. But the crazy thing is that nobody noticed. That's an incredible, incredible uh, CGI. Unbelievable. I'm still giving it to the Ten Commandments, though. <laughs> because take that Arrival. <laughs> or Take whatever. that Dennis Villain away. Or whatever. Exactly. It's not him. It's someone. It's the guy who did Annihilation. No, it's not. It's Denny Villeneuve. Really? Yeah, huh. I'm pretty sure. I don't think so. I thought no. He's the one who did Blade Runner. That's right. But yeah. the guy who did Arrival is the same one as Annihilation. No, the guy who did Ex Machina is the same as is Annihilation. As Annihilation. Oh, well, directed by Denny Villeneuve. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Arrival. Yeah. Well, Blade way. Runner. Anyway. Supporting actor. Uh, Burgess Meredith for Rocky. Burgess Meredith for Rocky. Good choice. I'm going with Willem Dafoe for Platoon. That was close. Yeah. Although I like Tom Berenger more in Platoon, but... He was also very good. I'm willing to listen to that argument. Okay, great. Supporting actress. Supporting actress, um, Nefertiti in The the Ten Commandments. Nefertiti, you're not going to use real names. Look, you don't have the names on this sheet. You, you You knew we were doing this. Yeah. You told me we were doing this. <laughs> I was the one that took the time to write this out. Look, I just say the names of the movies they were in. Oh, you're so unprofessional sometimes because now I'm going to. She's dead. She's not listening to this podcast. But the people know. The people. I knew her name. And Baxter. Yeah. That's what you wanted. Oy. I'm giving it to Frances McDormand for Fargo. Yeah, of course you are. Because she is a Because you just love Frances McDormand. I do. I also love Fargo, which I had not seen until this show. So I can't blame... You know what I mean? It's right. not like a previous love here. She was excellent. Best music. This one you can just do... This one. You oh, can now just, I can just do the, I was, the movie? I, I was only doing actors and actresses for the... Oh. The, so, so, best music. Jerry Maguire. Why? Because I really like um I really like the soundtracks that that director chooses. I th- is that best music though or best soundtrack? Well, I mean, you didn't say best original music. That's a good point. You're right. If I we're didn't. going to best original music, then I will say the 10 commandments. Okay, but you know what? That's a good distinction though because when we say best writing, we just mean original yeah, we or combined both it, of them. It's true. So, okay, fine. I'm going to say The Mission, Ennio Morricone. Okay. Excellent piece of music. Production design. Go ahead. Ten Commandments. Yeah. Ten Commandments. Unbelievable sets. Unbelievable. Cinematography. Ten Commandments. La La Land. I hate you. I know. (laughs) It's a beautiful (laughs) film. You can say whatever you want about it. It's shot. Really well. And I did go back and listen. I know. It <laughs> shot really well. Compliment <laughs> complimentary sandwich. The compliment sandwich, exactly. Best writing. Best writing. Rocky. Who's afraid of Virginia yeah, Wolf? 
Yeah. I, you said Rocky, and you were like, "Dang it!" No, <laughs> I look. I love Rocky. I'm uh, to be honest. It's who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Yeah, but but uh, you just want I it just, to be I Rocky. Just, I wanted to say Rocky. You can say Rocky. This I'm is, gonna say Rocky. No, wh- what award? We're not giving them awards. What's writing on this? Hey, we're not. <laughs> no. Okay. Who have who have I been mailing these statues to then? Me. Stop mailing me statues. I keep telling you. That's what that box is full of behind you. Also, don't touch it because it, it might kill you. There's <laughs> a lot of statues in there. Anyway, best actress. Um Elizabeth, Elizabeth Taylor, Taylor for Who's, who's Afraid, afraid of Virginia Woolf. Good job. I puppeteered that <laughs> response out of you and you accepted. I agree. That's who I also give it to. Actor. Uh, James Stewart, It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, good choice. I'm giving it to Denzel Washington for Fences. Ooh, good choice. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's excellent. All right. Best picture. Who's Afraid of a Junior Wolf? It's a Wonderful Life. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why that's the one that I settled on. I don't think it's actually the best picture, but I was just like, look, if I can choose Rocky over Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, I think Who's Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, Fences, like I think honestly those are probably better movies. Yeah, but there's something about It's a Wonderful Life. Though. It's just got that. I it's got that je ne sais quoi. Yeah, I was just compelled to choose it. It was I don't know. It was so weird. So it's the ghost of Jimmy Stewart no. that haunts you every night. Oh my god! Oh, you, you should choose. It's a wonderful life. You know, Jimmy, you were in other movies. No, Vertigo no, I wasn't. Was quite good, you know. <laughs> oh, jeez. You were in. You were. Oh man, I forgot the western that he was in that I really liked, and I don't like westerns. All quiet on the western front. No, the one no, that I know, that's not the a one whose famous line is uh, <laughs> when the lie, when the lie becomes the truth, tell the lie or something. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. Um, It's a good line. Well, that's that. We did it almost two hours later. Go team. So this is the deal. Palmer and I are pretty quiet right now because (laughs) I have nothing left. Because we're gone. We're done. We're done. (laughs) I'm out of (laughs) here. I can't. So we're gonna take a sabbatical as we always do yep. in between in between seasons. This time, this time we promise it'll hopefully only be a month. It's probably gonna be more than a month. Ah, we're good. No, we're definitely not good. It's definitely gonna be more than a month. I'm moving. I don't have time to do yeah, this. Yeah, but we're like three months ahead. Two jobs, getting married, moving grad school in what universe do i have a like time in just a month to do this it's gonna be more than a month it won't be six but it'll be more than one right but again like you realize we're three months ahead right it doesn't matter it doesn't matter i don't have time so that being said it'll be more than a month hey people People stop watching their television shows in May, and they don't start again until October. Says you. I still haven't seen last season of Gotham. That's that's not my fault. That's your no, fault. No, that is specifically your you fault. You know what? Now that you know we'll have a few months off, you have time to catch up. No, I don't. Yeah, no, you do. Because then I still have to watch other movies. Nope. There are still other movies in 2018 nope. I need to watch. Sorry. Sorry, this is the choice my, that you have made. My life has become watching movies. June, July, August, September. So something you can want to take four months off between television shows. People can take 
two to three months off for a podcast. It's okay. Don't give them an excuse. I know. It's not an excuse. It's my excuse. <laughs> it's not for them. It's for me. I'm tired. And with that, you can find us at ThoughtBubbleAudio.com where you can check out all of the ThoughtBubble Audio shows. You can find us on the interwebs on Twitter and Gmail at Academy Rewind. You can follow Palmer specifically at Academy Rewind <laughs> and myself at TimothyPG13 on Twitter. You can also rate and review us on iTunes and check us out in all the places that podcasts can be found. Palmer, do you have anything else to add? No, no, I don't. Well, thank God, because they're playing this off. No, I have someone about people to think. Well, I don't care. Bye. Bye. <laughs>